Welcome to the Grind It Podcast. You know, life can be such a grind at times, and so we're here sharing God's Word with you to encourage you to keep grinding and to not give up. It's time to grind. So here's the host of the Grind It Podcast, the old school skateboarder himself, Randall Tucker. Welcome to the Grinded Podcast. Today we're going to finish up Hebrews chapter 11. I'm not going to get into every example of these heroes of faith that the author shares with his readers, but we are going to talk about some of them very briefly, staying on the surface. You can uh, take time on your own to go back and read Hebrews chapter 11, and, and you can go back into the Old Testament and find every one of these examples that he gives of these uh, what we call heroes of faith, people who walked by faith and and just as a quick review the author of hebrews he's encouraging his jewish audience to stick with jesus right they they have discouraged uh, they they are discouraged in their walk with christ because of the persecution that they've been suffering they they've been put in prison they've been beaten uh, they've lost their possessions i'm sure their families are being threatened and so um they're going back into Judaism where it's safe because they, they, they know that when they were in Judaism, they could still worship God and they, they were not being persecuted. So, hey, let's just go back into Judaism and we can still worship God. And, 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 and from the way the, the, the uh, book of Hebrews reads, some have already gone back into Judaism and the author issues a stern warning to them that if they remain apart from Jesus, because they are now separated themselves from Jesus, they have left Jesus to go back into this empty obsolete religion he says there's no other way for their sins to be forgiven and so to prevent others from leaving jesus and going back into judaism he he's, writes this letter and he dives deep 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 into the old testament and into the jewish heritage he talks about things that they would be very very uh, familiar with he starts off talking about angels and how jesus is better than angels he talks about moses and how jesus is better than moses he talks about abraham and how jesus is greater than abraham and how jesus is greater uh, than the law he talks about the tabernacle and he talks about all the things that goes on inside the tabernacle and with the tabernacle and he talks about how everything about the tabernacle pointed to jesus and so he, he tells them that Jesus is better than all of this stuff. He's better than all the, the priests who offer sacrifices. He's even better than the sacrifices that were made because he was the, the, the Passover lamb. He was the once and for all sacrifice. He only had to be offered one time and not every day or uh, once a year for atonement, but one time. And his blood is more powerful. Just one drop of the blood of Jesus is more powerful than the millions upon millions of animals that were sacrificed uh, under this old covenant. And then he goes and talks about how Jesus has established a new covenant by making a, a, a sacrifice of himself. He gave of himself and he shed his own blood to establish this new covenant. And so... His, he's trying to encourage them by driving home the point that Jesus is better than anything that went on in the Old Testament. And everything that went on in the Old Testament pointed to the Messiah that they've been looking for for hundreds and hundreds of years. And Jesus is that Messiah. He is 
the Christ. He is the anointed one. He is the Savior of the world. And outside of Christ, there is no hope for salvation. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man can come to the Father except through me. And these people are walking away from Jesus because of persecution, and they're going back into this empty, obsolete religion of Judaism. And so it's kind of like the Hebrew authors trying to do damage control and to keep others from going into Judaism and leaving Jesus and hopefully uh, persuading some of those that had left to come back to Jesus. And so he explains uh, how they are to keep walking by faith and, and, and how faith is a reality. Faith is not a, well, I hope it happens. No, faith is a reality, he says in Hebrews 11, 11 verse 1. And he also says that faith is evidence of things not seen. You know, we cannot literally see it in front of our eyes right now, but by faith, we know that heaven exists. I've never seen heaven. People claim that they've seen heaven. I, I, I can't say if they have or haven't. I know I haven't personally. But by faith, I know heaven exists. By faith, I know that God is sitting on his throne. I've never seen God's throne. Isaiah got to see God's throne and, 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 and described it to us. I've never seen personally the throne of God. I will one day, but for now I haven't. So by faith, I know heaven exists and I know God that is, is God is sitting on his throne and that Jesus is sitting at the place of honor at God's right hand. And, and the author of Hebrews says this over and over throughout this book of Hebrews. In chapter 11, he gives them an example uh, of people who lived by faith, how they believed in the promises of God and they acted accordingly, even though they could not see it. For example, the Holy Spirit. We know by faith that the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. Why? Because Jesus told us so. That he would send a comfort. He would send a helper. And then in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost when Peter preached that first sermon and, and, and people came and, and they were convicted and they, after they heard the message that they have crucified Jesus, that they were guilty. And they said, well, what do we got to do? And Peter says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and you will receive uh, the Holy Spirit. And that's paraphrasing and butchering that, those verses, Acts chapter 2, 38 through 41. Uh, that's butchering it up pretty bad. But my point is, we can't see the Holy Spirit. But Jesus promised us the Holy Spirit. Je and we, we see this promise also in Acts chapter 2, that he comes to all those who are afar off. And that's us. We are those who are afar off. So when we come to Christ and we're baptized for the remission of our sins, we are filled with the Holy Spirit. God lives inside of us, even though we can't see him. But by faith, we know that he does. And so what he's going to do through uh, chapter 11 is he's going to give this, these Jewish uh, people, that his Jewish audience who are whose faith is wavering, he's going to give them all of these examples of people who live by faith. They, they lived uh, by uh, a reality, by evidence of things they cannot see, but yet they, they acted on faith that God would come through with his promises. And so uh, the first example that he's going to give that I want to point out is us. That's right, you and me. Uh, actually, he's talking about 
the uh, the the people that he's writing this letter to, the book of Hebrews, he's talking about that audience that was leaving Christ and going into Judaism. But the message is still for us as well. People get discouraged all the time and quit walking with Jesus. And so the same principles apply. But listen to what he says in Hebrews 11, verse 3. It's the first example of living by faith. And it's us. He says, by faith, we understand. Who's we? The readers of that letter. And, if you know, that's us. We read the book of Hebrews. We're studying the book of Hebrews. So by faith, we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command. That what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. There was nothing. The, the earth was, was without, and the universe was, it was void. It was just nothing. God existed for eternity. He does not have a beginning. We have a beginning, and we have an end. God has existed for eternity. And that's, I mean, I know it's mind-blowing when you start thinking about it. But God has always been. And God decided he wanted to, to uh, uh, make a universe and, and make a planet that people can live on. And then he's going to make creatures and he's going to make people and he's going to commune with these people. And then he's going to love these people so much that he knows that they're going to choose sin. But yet he's going to choose a, a, a way that their sins can be forgiven and that we can have uh, this communion with him once again. And it would cost him his son. It would cost God putting on flesh and living as a man, living as a human being, and then laying down his life and being brutally beaten and going through so much horrific pain uh, as he was beaten before the cross and then he was uh, hung on the cross and hung there for six hours struggling to breathe when he finally took his last breath and they took him down from that cross and put him in an empty tomb with three days later he come out alive victorious holding the keys of death and hell and uh, you can read revelation and it's a beautiful picture of the the slaughter that Jesus went through. And Isaiah even said he was a lamb led to the slaughter. Um, but anyway, I digress. Hebrews 11.3, By faith we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command, that what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. And we see this uh, in Genesis chapter 1. And you can go back and read Genesis chapter 1, but what you will read is, God spoke this into being. Everything. God spoke it. He spoke a word and everything was made and it was perfect. And God, was, God said it was good. Um, that, that's the power of God, that he could speak a word. And, and I oftentimes do this, and I've mentioned this in previous podcasts, about how I live in the mountains, so when I go outside... To go to work real early in the morning, it's, it's just so dark. And since I'm uh, up in the higher elevations, the stars are just so bright and it's so beautiful. And, and I just think about Psalm 8 when it talks about the handiwork of God and how he created all of this stuff. And he did it just by speaking a word, which tells me that by faith, when we put our faith in God, he can speak a word into whatever we're struggling with and change our situation immediately. He has that kind of power. But we have to walk in faith. We have to believe that God can do that. Nothing is impossible with 
God, even though some, a lot of times it seems like it is. And that's what these people are struggling with, with their faith. They're like, this is crazy. I, my family's being threatened. I'm being put in prison. I, I, I'm being beaten. I'm losing all my stuff. This just ain't worth it. And they go back into Judaism. And he said, no, 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 no. By faith, by faith, keep walking with God. By faith, God can change your situation. He can bring you. Plus, he's offering you a better promise. He's offering you a home with you or with him in heaven if you remain faithful. And that's what he's trying to get them to do, to remain faithful and not not draw away from God, but to draw near to God. Uh, but that's what we do when when pain comes in our lives, when something happens in our lives, we 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 kind of withdraw when we should be running to God. And that's why he says uh, that that we can go boldly before the throne of grace and find help in the time of need because of what Jesus has done for us. But God is so powerful that He spoke everything into existence, and you can go and. and, and Google all kinds of arguments uh, for that. You know, I will never ever. I mean, the uh, if the other option is evolution, and th- there has to be a starter. There has to be a catalyst. And if you want to say it's the Big Bang, you have that right. You have that choice. You can believe whatever you want to believe. But let me tell you something. Something doesn't come from nothing. I'm gonna say that again. Something does not come from nothing. There has to be a, a catalyst. There has to be someone who started it all. And that would be God. And he spoke it all into existence. And it was perfect. I mean, think about this. Do you want to question God about uh, what he has done, about what he has created? You know, Job tried to question God when he was going through all this suffering. God has allowed Satan to... Um, he, he wouldn't allow God... Or he wouldn't allow Satan to kill Job, but he allowed Satan to have his way with Job. And Job lost everything. He lost his family. He lost his money. He lost all of his cattle, which is like money. He lost everything. And uh, he's sitting there scraping all these. He's sick. He's scraping these bowls with broken pottery, and he's in pain. And and it eventually starts messing with his head. His he, you got his wife sitting there saying, "Curse God and die." And you got his friends saying, "Job, what have you done? You you've done this awful sin that you've made God mad." And and that wasn't it at all. And in, it just it got to Job mentally. And in, in, in Job thirty eight one through eleven, and I'm gonna read the message version. I don't use the message very often, but it does a good job breaking down what Job says. It says, and now, finally, God answered Job from the eye of a violent storm. And he said, why do you confuse the issue? Why do you talk without knowing what you're talking about? Pull yourself together, Job. Up on your feet. Stand tall. I have some questions for you. And I want some answers. I want some straight answers. Where were you when I created the earth? Tell me, since you know so much. Who decided on its size? Certainly you'll know that. Well, who came up with the blueprints and the measurements? How was its foundation poured and who set the cornerstone while the morning stars sang in chorus and all the angels shouted praise? And who took charge of the ocean when it gushed forth like a baby from the womb? That was me, God says. I, God, 
I wrapped it in soft clouds and tucked it in safely at night. Then I made a playpen for it, a strong playpen so it couldn't run loose and said, stay here, this is your place. Your wild tantrums are confined to this place. That's awesome. Adam and Eve hasn't even been created in Genesis 1. And so therefore, it would take faith to believe that God created the universe. So the first example that he gives for faith is us. Because by faith, we believe that God, he created, he spoke a word and created the universe. And now they've done sent up this new telescope out there and it's taking these pictures and sending these pictures back, which kind of looks fake to me. But anyway, maybe it's real. I don't know. I, I don't question. I digress. These uh these these images of space and 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 we can see all these galaxies and and, and they it just keeps going and going and going. Uh, it's amazing. And it just shows the beauty and the power of God. Uh, the second one he's going to talk about is Abel's offering that, that, that actually gets him killed. His own brother Cain kills him. Uh, the third one is Enoch. Enoch was walking with God one day, and they're just having this conversation, and God decides, hey, you're a cool guy. I'm taking you with me. And Enoch literally walked off the face of the earth with God. Now, I want to throw something out there that doesn't really have anything to do with the book of Hebrews, but I think it's kind of interesting. Um, Enoch did not die. He literally walked off with God. Now, the Hebrew author in this letter, he's already said it, that it's appointed unto man once to die, then after this, the judgment. Well, Enoch didn't die. He walked off with God. And there's also a second person that has never died, and that would be Elijah, the prophet from the Old Testament. Remember, he was taken up in the whirlwind, and his mantle fell, uh, and Elisha got it and done twice the miracles that Elijah did. So the book of Revelation uh, talks about two witnesses coming in the end times and that these two witnesses will be killed and then they'll be resurrected. Now, just throwing this out there, I don't know if it's you know accurate or not, but there's only two people in the Bible that have never died, and that's Elijah and Enoch. So could they possibly be those two witnesses, because those two witnesses will die, and then they will be resurrected and, and start walking the streets again. It's interesting. To me, it, it's interesting. It's an interesting study. Um, but Enoch was used as an example of faith, and his faith was so great that God decided, hey, you know what? You're awesome. You're cool. You're coming with me. And God literally took him. He walked off the face of the earth with God. That's, that's pretty cool. And then you have Noah who built this ginormous boat that was uh, uh, about a football and a half long. It's 150 yards long, and it's huge. And I think somewhere in Kentucky now, they they actually have built this boat to the dimensions uh, that the Bible actually gives. And you can walk through this ginormous boat. But uh, you know, those things were built with designed logs and they were pre-cut and they were cut by machines and, and power tools. Well, guess what? Noah didn't have any of that. Noah had never built a boat before. Why? Because it had never rained before. That's right. It had never rained. When God come to Noah and said, I need you to build a boat because I'm about to flood the earth. And Noah's like, what are you talking about? Flood the earth? Because the water came from the ground up. 
and the water, when it came up out of the ground, it watered the ground and everything grew. It, it did not rain. But yet, God says, I need you to build a boat. I need you to get these kind, the, two of each kind of these animals, seven of this kind, and uh, the clean and the unclean, and, and, and get your family on board. I'm going to shut the door, and it's going to rain. And it's going to rain a long time. And you're going to be on this boat for a long time. And he said, I'm about to wipe everybody off the face of the earth because they're so wicked. And I'm starting over. And so that uh, is a great example of faith, how it had never rained before. And yet Noah was obedient and built the boat. And I think it took him like 100 years. And he's telling these people, hey, it's going to rain. You better you know, get ready to get on this boat. And they're like, dude, you're nuts. You're, you're crazy. They didn't even know what rain was. They'd never seen rain before. And guess what happened? It started raining. But God had shut the door, and it was too late. And they started beating on the boat, let us on this boat. And Noah's like, uh, I'm just chilling with my family. I can't even hear you. I don't even know what's going on outside because I was obedient, and you weren't. And now you're paying the price. So Noah was a good example that he uses that walked by faith or he built that boat by faith. And then he's, he talks about Abraham and how Abraham, uh, I love the, the example of Abraham, how he left his hometown, he left his family behind to follow a God who had given him some promises in Genesis 12. And the thing is, Abraham had no idea where he was going. He just had these promises from God. God says, get up and go to this land. I'm going to show you. It's a land that flows with milk and honey. And Abraham just picks up his, uh, uh, some of his family and take off and leaves the rest of his family behind. He's following God because God is giving him this promise or these promises. In Genesis 12, he said, I'm going to make your name great. I'm going to, descendants are going to come from you. That It's going to be more numbering than the stars of the heavens and the sands of the shores. Um, and, and so Abraham, by faith, he goes. He doesn't question God. He just goes. He listened and he obeyed. And because Abraham was obedient, he becomes the father of the Jews. I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And then we have Abraham's wife, Sarah. It says that it, it was by faith that even Sarah was able to have a child, though she was barren and was too old. She believed that God would keep his promise. And so a whole nation came from this one man who was as good as dead. A nation with so many people that like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore, there is no way to count them. Now, there's something weird about this. Because it talks about the faith of Abraham, and we see that. But when he switches gears and, and talks about the faith of Sarah... And about having a child, even though she was too old to have a baby at this point. She was 90 years old when Isaac was born. I believe she was 75, 65 when the promise came. I think Abraham was 75. So 25 years later, Abraham's 100. Sarah's 90 when Isaac was born. And if you go back and read the story of Abraham and Sarah, when the angel came on behalf of God and say, hey, you're going to have a child in your old age. Sarah laughed. She laughed. And the angel called her out on it. And she tries to, I didn't laugh. And he said, yeah, you laugh. But we're going to see who who's going to get the last laugh. And Isaac ends up being born. And the name Isaac means he who laughs. 
So God actually got the last laugh. But it's interesting to me that they, uh, the Hebrew author uses Abraham and Sarah and their faith, and it brings up this point about having this child, but yet Sarah laughed in the face of God. To me, that's like, I don't believe this is going to happen. But, you know, it happened. And so he uses her as an example of faith. How many times have you and I have done that? We, we have these promises of God. We, we have uh, these things we would love to accomplish. And, 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 and somebody comes along and tells us something about God and how you know we should be heading in this direction or, or, or doing this certain thing. And, and we laugh. Because we're like, I, I'm not capable of doing that. Are you kidding me? I, 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 I don't have that kind of talent. I, I don't know this much about the Bible. And we start making up excuses like Moses did. And we just lie and we got, yeah, yeah I wish. I, I, I wish I could do those things, you know, by faith. So before we knock off Sarah too quick, we do the same thing, even today. And so... The author is going to take a quick break from these examples, and he's going to come back to them. And in verse 13 through 16, he says, All these people die still believing what God had promised them. They did not receive what was promised, but they saw it all from a distance and welcomed it. They agreed that they were foreigners and nomads here on earth. Obviously, people who say such things are looking forward to a country they can call their own. If they had longed for the country they came from, they could have gone back. Remember the, the people of Israel when Moses led them across uh, uh, the Red Sea before they even got to, when they got to the Red Sea and their backs were against the Red Sea and here comes uh, the Egyptian army and even after they got across the Red Sea and God was providing for them manna and quail and doing all these miracles and giving water from the rock and doing all these things for them for 40 years they kept saying we need to go back to Egypt at least we still be alive God's brought us out here to kill us so they, they longed for the country that, where they were in slavery instead of trusting in God and that's what the, the, the author says. If they had longed for the country they came from, they could have gone back. But all these people of faith, they were looking for a better place in verse 16, a heavenly homeland. That is why God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he's prepared a city for them. Now this made me think of something that Jesus said in John 14, 1-4. He was telling his disciples that he's going to be betrayed and he's going to die. But he would come back for them. And so he tells them in John 14, 1 through 4, he says, Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. See, have faith. Have faith. There is more than enough room in my father's home. What's the father's home? Heaven. If this were not so, I w- uh, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? Remember, that's, that's what the Hebrew author said about the people of faith in the Old Testament. They were looking for a better place, a heavenly homeland, right? And here's Jesus telling his disciples, I'm going to prepare a place for you in my father's house. There are, there's enough room for you. If it were not so, I would have told you. I would have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you. When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. Where's he at? He's sitting at the father's right hand in heaven. And you know the way to where I'm going. And that's when Thomas asked, we don't know where you're going. How, how do we know the way? And that's when he says John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. But there's the promise. The promise of a better place in heaven with God. And there is a place being prepared for anyone 
who makes Jesus Christ their Lord and Savior. And so the author is going to go back to um, giving some more examples of people who walked by faith. And he's going to use Abraham again. And he talks about Abraham offering up Isaac. Uh, he's going to sacrifice the, the son of promise. And, and, and it wasn't until Abraham raised up the knife and was ready to th thrust that knife into his son Isaac and, and, uh, and to kill Isaac. And uh, God stops and says, whoa, 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 stop, stop. Don't, don't sacrifice Isaac. There's a ram over here in the thicket. Offer it instead. But I want you to listen to what Abraham tells his servants before they ever started up the mountain uh, so he could offer Isaac in Genesis 22, 1 through 5. It says, sometime later, God tested Abraham. And he said to him, Abraham. And Abraham says, here I am. And God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. Now watch this, verse 3. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. He wasted no time. The very next morning, he gets up. He gets everything ready. He takes his son, puts him on the donkey, and off they go. That's faith. Didn't question God. He just went. And so he's got two of his servants with him. It says, when he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. So they've been traveling for three days. Abraham has had time to think about what is going on. Why would God ask me to kill this son that he has promised me a great nation from? Why, why, why would he take this son of mine that I've had in my old age. He has promised me all these promises. But Abraham doesn't do that. He's been traveling for three days. He looks up and he sees the place in the distance that God was talking about. And he tells his servants this. He says, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. And we will worship and then we will come back to you. Abraham knew that if he went through with this deal this that God has uh, told him to do, to offer his son as a sacrifice, even if God allowed that to go on through and he killed Isaac, he reasoned within himself, maybe that's what he's doing over those three days, that God would raise Isaac from the dead. And that's what the Hebrew author says. He says, Abraham had reasoned in his mind that God would raise Isaac from the dead if he sacrificed him. Well, why would he think that? Because the promises God had given him in Genesis chapter 12. And that's some serious, serious faith right there. I, there's no way that I could take one of my kids and, and, and even think about putting a knife into their, their heart and killing them. No way. And, 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 Isaac, and then, uh, Isaac went with Abraham and they were on their way, had three days to think about it. And, and, never never hesitated that's awesome that's some serious great faith and there's so many more examples throughout the book of hebrews uh, that you can read on your own but i do want to mention one quickly before we end this podcast and that's rahab the prostitute found in verse 30 and 31 of hebrews 11 it says by faith that the people of israel marched around jericho for seven days and the walls came crashing down it was by faith that rahab the prostitute 
was not destroyed with the people in her city who refused to obey God, for she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. You can read all about her in Joshua chapter 2, and I'm going to share that with you in just a second, uh, some of it. But the spies were sent into Jericho, and they hide in a prostitute's house. I mean, what better hiding place? Hey, I'm just here to, to visit the prostitute. You know, I want to get a little piece of the action, so I'm going into the prostitute. Uh, it's a pretty clever idea if you think about it. And so the people of the city get wind of what's going on, and they come to investigate it. And Rahab actually lies to her own people, to these people who are in authority. And she told them that, that the men had, had come, but they had already gone. They had left town. And she sent uh, those the men that were going to go looking for them to kill them, the spies. She sent them in an opposite direction of where she would be sending these, uh, these Hebrew people that had come in to spy out the land. She actually hid them on her roof. And they spent the night with her. And, and so... Um, Here's the cool thing about Rahab. Um, God used a lying prostitute to accomplish his will. That's right. God used a lying prostitute to accomplish his will. And not only that, she, along with her whole family, were saved from the destruction of Jericho. But it gets even better than that because Rahab is actually in the lineage of Jesus the Messiah. In Matthew chapter 1 and verses 5 and 6 in that long genealogy that people just pass over when they're reading the book of Matthew, he says this, Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed, the father of Jesse. And Jesse, the father of King David. The king that the Jews looked to and highly respected came from Rahab, the prostitute. David, uh, Rahab was David, the king of Israel's great-grandmother. Is that not awesome how God used this prostitute, a lying prostitute, to usher in the Messiah? That is so awesome. So why would the author use her example of faith if she was a prostitute and a liar? I'm going to share that story from Joshua chapter 2. It says, Before the spies went to sleep that night, Rahab went up on the roof to talk with them. And she says this, I know the Lord has given you this land. Faith, right there. She told them, We're all afraid of you. Everyone in the land is living in terror, for we have heard how the Lord made a dry path for you through the Red Sea when you left Egypt. And we know what you did to Sihon and Og, the two Amorite kings of the east of the Jordan River, whose people you completely destroyed. No wonder our hearts have melted in fear. No one has the courage to fight after hearing such things. Now listen to what she says here. For the Lord your God is the supreme God of the heavens above and the earth below. That's faith. Now swear to me by the Lord that you will be kind to me and my family since I have helped you. Give me some guarantee that when Jericho is conquered, you will let me live along with my father and mother, my brothers and sisters, and all their families. That's faith. Take care of us. Because we know you're coming to destroy Jericho and God's going to give it to you. So take care of us. Save us. We offer our own lives as a guarantee for your safety, the men agreed. If you don't betray us, we will keep our promise and be kind to you when the Lord gives us the land. Then, since Rahab's house was built into the, uh, the town wall, 
that fortified uh, wall, that real thick wall, so thick you can drive chariots on top of it. Her house is inside the wall. Since Rahab's house was built into the town wall, she let them down by a rope through the window. Escape to the hill country, she told them. Hide there for three days from the men searching for you. Then, when they have returned, you can go on your way. Before they left, the men told her, We will be bound by the oath we have taken only, there's your promises, We will be bound by the oath that we have taken only if you follow these instructions. When we come into the land, you must leave the scarlet rope hanging from the window through which you let us down. And all your family members, your father, your mother, your brothers, and all your relatives, everybody that you want to be alive when this happens, when this goes down, they must be here inside this house. We're going to see that scarlet rope, and your house will be spared. If we don't see that scarlet rope, they're all going to die, including you. If they go outside the streets and they go outside the house, they will be killed. It will not be our fault, verse 19 says. But if anyone lays a hand on the people inside this house, we will accept the responsibility for their death. If you betray us, however, we're not bound by this oath in any way. And here's her faith. Again, I accept your terms, she replied. And she sent them on their way, leaving the scarlet rope hanging from the window. It's a beautiful, beautiful picture of the blood of Jesus saving us. That scarlet rope, that red rope hanging out that window. And here comes destruction. And, and all of those people, just like in, in, uh, when the, uh, the, the angel, the death angel was going to pass over through Egypt. And he saw the blood on the door. He passed over, right? Beautiful picture of Jesus passing over us if we are washing his blood. Well, here it is. Destruction is coming. That red, that scarlet rope hanging out the window. She and everybody that is inside that house will be alive when that destruction is over with. And guess what happens? The walls fall. Everybody is killed except for everybody that was in Rahab's home. When they saw that scarlet rope, they spared them. Everybody that was in that house. By faith. Rahab heard about what God was doing and how he was blessing the Jews and she wanted to be a part of it. And so he's going to finish the chapter by saying this. How much more do I need to say? It would take too long to recount the stories of faith of Gideon. That's a great one there. Barak, Simpson, or Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and all the prophets. By these uh, people over... By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, and received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions. They quenched the flames of fire and escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. Women received their loved ones back again from death. But others were tortured, (coughs) refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. Here's their faith. They placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. Some were jeered at, and their backs were cut open with whips. Others were chained in prisons. Some died by stoning. Some were sawed in half, and others were killed with the sword. Some went about wearing skins of sheep and goats, destitute and oppressed and mistreated. They were too good for this world, wandering over deserts and mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. All these people earned a good reputation because of their faith, yet none of them received all that God had promised. For God has something better in mind for us, 
so that they would not reach perfection without us. We can see why the Hebrew author is choosing these examples. And he's telling these people, look, all these people went through something a whole lot worse than what you've endured. And they stayed the course. They stayed with the promise. They were looking forward to this promises and they didn't receive it until it was over for them. And when they crossed that finish line, boom, they received the promise. And he says, God has something better in mind for us so that they would not reach perfection without us. And here's the deal. As we close this podcast, God has something better in store for you and for me. This world is not our home. Is the song we sing, we're just pilgrims that are passing through. Trials come and go. Hard times come and go. Life challenges come and go. Good times come and good times go. Blessings come and blessings go. But we look forward to a place that will never come and go. We will be there for eternity. And that place is called heaven. The place where God's throne is, where God is its light. It's a place where there will be no sickness, no sorrow, no pain, no heartache, no heartbreaks. A place that is beyond our imagination. A place where we will be welcomed because we chose by faith to accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior. We, might, we may not see heaven yet. We may not see Jesus yet. But by faith, we know that they are a reality. And by faith, we have the evidence. It's all around us. And so we have to accept it by faith and start walking toward the promises of God. And we got to cross the finish line. We have to endure not shrink back, not quit, not give up, but keep going. And that's what we're here to do with the Grounded Podcast is to encourage you to keep going. Do not give up. Don't get mad at God when something comes along, something that's heavy. Reach out to your brothers and sisters in Christ and, and find encouragement, find strength in one another. Uh, reach out to us. We can pray for you, pray with you, get somebody in your area that will help you if you're not local, just contact us at thegrinditpodcast at gmail.com and we will do everything that we can to help you with your situation and to encourage you to keep walking with Jesus. Walk by faith. God bless you. Thank you for listening today. We can't wait to see you when we start Hebrews chapter 12 in the next podcast. Keep grinding. Thank you for listening to The Grinded Podcast today. May God bless you. If you have any comments or questions, you can email them to us at thegrinditpodcast at gmail.com. If you would like Randy to come and speak at your church or your next event, you can contact him through that same email address. Also, I would like to thank Jody Foster's Army, also known as JFA, for their song, Abba, as we use for our intro and our outro off their untitled 1984 album. May God bless you, and remember, keep your eyes on Jesus and keep grinding.